Welcome back. Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is August 12th, 2019. This is episode 276. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to go around the bases to figure out if the Dark Ages are truly upon us. We'll also ask the question, what was said in the dugout? And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, uh, what are you imbibing on this evening? Scotty, I have the Scott Magnus Mockery Starter Pack. I'm drinking a Bud Light Lime. It even comes in a uh, slim high boy can uh, just to make your feminine hands grasp it a little bit firmer. Oh, boy. What a beer. Jake, I'm drinking a Reaper double IPA from RAR Brewing out of Cambridge, Maryland. I, I don't think we should compare and contrast. This isn't important. This was my beach day drinking beer, mm-hmm. and I've got a little bit left over. You have a lot left over. <laughs> let's, let's not skirt it out anyway. You have a lot left over. Um, if you want to find us, but we're drinking on a weekly basis, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go ahead and check out the medical wing. All right, so we're going to talk about the first one, um, which was DJ Stewart uh, suffering a concussion. And uh, I really want to talk about this because uh, we know the play. Um, we know and it, uh, we know DJ Stewart is kind of sliding for the ball, as it were, trying to avoid running into Richie Martin. He kind of slides out of the way, and the ball just happens to basically knock him right in the head. And, uh, yeah, he's left in the game, and then he eventually he is pulled out. I've got a big issue with this. I've got a huge issue with this. Of Obviously, there was video evidence that, you know, the ball hit his head. And the Orioles training staff was just like, no, I think he's okay. Why not in this age of um, extra precautions, specifically in regards to head injuries, why is it not just, nope, we're pulling you straight out of the game? Sure. I mean, I, th- I think there are two failures in judgment yeah. there. First is that there is a protocol. Yeah. Right. And if he if he passed the protocol, then the protocol needs to be looked at. Right. Right. From a safety standpoint. Sure. Second, this season doesn't matter. Right. There is nothing about a game in this season that is worth not being 100% sure that your guys are safe. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And, you know, the future standpoint is, you know, a whole nother matter. But in reality, I think the point that you made, which is the concussion protocol and just walking out there in essence, be like, you okay? Doing a quick aspect. you could see after just a few minutes, there was something wrong with him. And then they basically exchanged him when he came back into the dugout. That can't happen. Okay. It's as simple as that. That can't happen of as soon as there is someone taking something off the head and they weren't wearing a helmet or something like that. Immediately it's he's pulled. I was gone. I would so much rather be angry about somebody being pulled unnecessarily than I would about having to worry about somebody not being pulled at risk of themselves. Yeah, I, like I said, I've got a, a big issue with that, and you could just see he was grimacing with pain and everything. And I'm glad the Orioles made the decision to pull him when they did, 
but I would have loved to see it about 15 minutes earlier. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Uh, Renato Nunez also was out, was out this week. Um, came out with a bruised left ankle. It wasn't clear whether or not he was actually going to play on Monday. Uh, I haven't watched the games yet because I've got them on DVR, so I'm going to catch up with them at a later point. Because Whoa, you're taping these games? Yeah. So here's here's what I'm doing now. Uh, I'm DVRing the baseball games, uh, and then I will basically catch up on them by basically pressing my fast-forward button every 30 seconds because I can basically see every single pitch um, that is going on then and kind of get a feel for the game. And if something is really intriguing, I'll back it up and be like, oh, well, you know, someone just started singing. Like, Gary Thorne is singing. Like, how do we get to singing? How so do we get to singing? So I'll back it up three minutes and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this whole segue, as it were. Um, but just like folks that listen to this podcast, they press the 15 seconds forward, 15 seconds forward, sure. 15 seconds forward. Particularly when we are singing. Especially when we're singing, right. Uh, so, yeah, that's the end of it. Um, so, yeah, Renato Nunez, it sounds like it's not that big of a deal. Also, DJ Stewart's going to come off the concussion protocol. We talked about that him before. Uh, nothing else really need to report. Mark Trump is still dead. Uh, no, no, Mark Trump not still dead, but we'll get to that. No, 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 his playing career. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. His coaching ability and uh, being a bouncer, completely yeah, I was, alive. I was going to say, he's got a second career as a body man, but that's, but, that's a whole other thing. Uh, as a active player, no, he's dead. Completely dead. All right. Anything else in the medical one you want to cover? No, I don't want to talk about the Orioles being hurt because it just makes me feel hurt. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, let's go to 200 characters or less this week on the Twitters. All right. This first one is a fantastic tweet. Fan. Fantastic tweet. And it comes from the sassy one himself, Mr. Jim Palmer, uh, a man who has stepped in to correct me when I need it. And uh, he was pretty good at correcting the Rays here. This is a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles with a uh, self-handheld Zabruder film of Jim Palmer. Yeah, and this was in reference to a tweet that the Tampa Bay Rays put out indicating that the 2019 Rays were greater than 1966 Orioles due to uh, how they performed against the Boston Red Sox in Fenway. Congratulations to the Rays for beating the Red Sox eight times in Fenway Park. So I guess that automatically means they go to the World Series. They play the Dodgers. They beat them four in a row. Somebody on their team's the MVP in the American League. And then also somebody wins the Triple Crown. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some I'm having some difficulty seeing because of all the shade. Oh, Jim Palmer is a lot of fun on social media. Absolutely. Um, oh, Jake, this one is goes into category of when sadness follows you from Baltimore. Tweet comes from Jeff Passan. Right-hander Kevin Gossman is headed to the Cincinnati Reds, sources tell ESPN. He was claimed off of waivers from the Atlanta Braves. The 28-year-old has one more season remaining until he hits free agency following 2020, though could be a non-tender candidate this winter. It's a shame. You wish they, they were... Better things for him. Here's a question, though. Yeah. Um, why didn't the Orioles pick him up? Um, yeah. I mean, they he wouldn't be blocking anybody. Yeah. I I just don't understand. Like, if he's being released and you can just pick him up, why not just say, okay, we're going to go ahead and sign him and basically collect the money, as it were. So, and, and innings. And innings, yeah. So, I don't understand. Like, um... I understand, you know, Kevin Gossman being picked up, but I don't understand how the Reds have priority over the Orioles, and I don't understand why the Orioles would let him slip him by. Even as a bullpen arm for one more year, it's an interesting person for me to repick up. Yeah. The thing about, um, 
And I just listened to Astro Ball after I was shamed for not having having read it. I listened to it instead. Um, but unless the price is right, you know, the the Orioles leadership is not going to make a move uh, to tug at the heartstrings, right? If he can provide innings, if he is valuable, and if the price is right, they would probably make a move like that. But they have no interest in, re- you know, repeating mistakes of the past. Okay, fair point. Uh, why don't you take the next one? All right, this next tweet comes to us from Ian Brown, who tweets at Ian M. Brown. E. Andrew Kashner has been moved to the bullpen by the at Red Sox. Scotty, we've now won the trade twice. So this is two Orioles pitchers that basically have left Baltimore and not become better. You cannot get the stain off of you when you leave the Orioles. Hmm. All right, next week comes from Andrew Stetka. Um, this is in reference to Smash Mouth uh, calling out um, Brandon Hyde for um, going at Chris Davis, as it were. Uh, and Andrew put this into a, a lyrical format. Do we want to give this a shot singing it, or should we just read it? There's no way. I, I have so few standards, but I'm not singing Smash Mouth baseball style. Chris used to be an Ulster. Now he just cannot play. He swings and always misses. It's a sad sight to see, and all that money is gone paid to him in a full big contract. I just wanted to have you do it. Honestly, I'm glad Mr. Stetka realizes now how hard it is to put together a lyrically inclined verse, because honestly, I feel like this wasn't written in quite the right way. So... Are you going to workshop this a little bit and come back to us? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, did Smash Mouth delete their tweet? Yes, about- they did. What? They were so ashamed. that It was like, nope, I'm going to delete my tweet. I is, don't want to represent my brand like this. Is there a more random thing than Smash Mouth commenting on the Orioles? Uh, they did comment on the Athletics a few years back as well. I just don't get it. It's yeah. weird. But yeah, it's it's kind of out there in terms of like, were you just watching the Orioles game and you just wanted to comment? I think that's what had to be happening is they're in New York and they saw it. Um, so, Jake, is it time for the drink of the game? And this tweet comes from Todd Kopovich, and you can follow him at Todd Kopovich. Fans are invited to attend Camden Vineyards at Oriole Park on Saturday, September 7th, 7th prior to the 705 game against the Texas Rangers. Pre-game wine tasting in the bullpen area will feature 20 wines from 11 countries. Mm. Including, I hope, Birdland, which is its own independent nation, I assume. So here's my thought. Okay. Uh, I, I have a, I have, I've been thinking about this. Sure, sure. Um, I think the Orioles should really spice this up. I say, if you're going to have 20 wines from 11 countries, everybody who comes into the bullpen area gets a certain amount of international free spending money. And then if you go to a various country, you basically have to buy one of the wines accordingly. You want this to be like Epcot. I want it to be like the international free agent draft. <laughs> All right. All and right, then you would trade your money away for Bud Light Limes. I like where this is going. Yes, I, <laughs> I, would, I would spend it on 17-year-old uh, Bud Light Limes. Yes. Okay. I like it. Um, I think it was Matt Taylor. I'm going to subtweet uh, the, the this week on the Twitters. I think it was Matt Taylor who tweeted out last week that he really wanted the Orioles to be good again, but he also wants these um, 
these really ridiculous promotions right right because you know they, they're doing this they're doing you know movies on the on the field they're doing um crabs on the field during an away game like they're doing everything they can to bring people to the ballpark to reach out to people uh good for them and how's that doing for you yeah and how's that doing for attendance yeah yeah all right well with that um and and that high position of you know looking forward to you know extravagant promotions that we just talked about here and extremely bad baseball one has to go around the bases and ask is the dark ages upon us All right, we're going to start off at first base, uh, and we didn't get to cover this this last week because, um, well, I was sick and you were away on business, but what does the quiet trade deadline tell us about the Orioles' approach? Um, there's been some a lot of interesting conversations about this. Um, specifically, John Mioli had a great interview on a one-on-one with Michael Elias, and John Mioli, I think, in my opinion, is actually uh, the the best beat writer out there, and even the questions that he is asking at the end of postgame conferences I think are dwarfing everyone else. And again, that is no knock to someone like a Rockabaca or something like that. I just think John, John Mioli is um, basically playing at a different level, as it were. Um, and I think a lot of people are not recognizing um, the performance that he's putting out there. But he's playing chess while they're playing chess. I, I don't want to spoil it for you. We will, you know, put the link in the in in our post. Um, but please go check out the interview with John Mioli one on one with Michael Elias. Um, use one of your free online articles through the Baltimore Sun. Go ahead. But but there was a – I know we don't want to spoil it, but there's just this one little nugget that I desperately want to talk about. All right. You can you can pull out the one nugget. Okay. Okay. There's a quote, and I mean, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask you what in the name of Pete he's talking about. Yeah. All right? There, here's the quote. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we're going to be able to repeat those results. This is talking about Houston. Uh, but it's the type of thing that happens – when you have a strong farm system, you've got that currency and they're able to be the team to step out and make those moves. But, and this is the interesting part, we've got challenges in front of us in 2019 in Baltimore that didn't exist in Houston in 2012. And it's our job to adapt to those circumstances. End quote. Houston was awful. Yep. When he was there, mm-hmm. they were awful. What in the world could he be referring to going on in Baltimore that didn't exist there? So you just listened to the book. I did. All right. So what do you think after listening to that book that he might be referring to? Well, the, the thing that I found interesting about the book, about Astro Ball, yeah. it, is that um, a lot of the talent in scouting remained. Yes. Right? Because the scouting was um, – not only open to, to listening to new ideas, but it wasn't the Moneyball thing of scouts versus, sure. right? It was the scouts were allowed to scout. Their their input was valued, and it contributed to decisions as much as did, you know, the, the data, which also contributed to decisions. That The only thing I can think there is that Elias is telling us that the talent in the organization from a baseball administration level is so wanting in addition to the on the field talent that's is that what you're is that what you're picking up that would be one thing that i'm picking up um that in essence 
Um, there is a hollowed out crater, both in terms of um, infrastructure and um, organizational talent and also just talent from a player basis that uh, they have a, a long road. So when people come back and say, hey, you know, it only took so many years for your Houston to get back into a being competitive nature, um, that may be true. But I think we are, in essence, kidding ourselves um, that um, Baltimore is going to basically see the same timeline, as it were, in terms of success. I think there's other things that are at the heart here, too. Um, you know, you look at the challenges in Baltimore, specifically being in the AL East and competing with the organizations such as the Red Sox and the Yankees. And then you look at the AL West and you still have Oakland and Seattle and Texas and the Angels, um, there's a different dichotomy, as it were. Um, so I think there are challenges in terms of how do we compete in division against two of the best teams that are going to be present in the American League? And in essence, how do we do it with nothing that was here before? I also wonder about revenues, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Houston is a gigantic city. Sure. Uh, the, the Astros were a loser for a long time, yep. right? So it's, it's hard to generate on a loser. Uh, but they also didn't have a baseball team in their backyard. Right. You know, they, they didn't have the 20th largest uh, metro area in, in the country, right? right? Um, that's probably also a different thing. But I, I found that to be the glaring, eye-opening, like, oh, my gosh, quote, um, I'm curious about that. Sorry. I, I uh, Again, you should totally read the, the Mioli thing. Let me go back to your original question. Mm-hmm. What does a quiet trade deadline tell us about the Orioles and the, the process, you know, the hashtag process? Um, I think that it shows us that they're not moving to move, mm-hmm. right? That uh, the lip service era is over. Um, and also, maybe that there's really not a whole lot in the cupboard anyway. You know, it's it's not just that we don't have anything in the minors to bring up. It's that there's nobody on this major league squad that contenders need. You know, nobody needs a Hanser Alberto. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That, I think that's what it tells me. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you to a certain regard. Um, I think ultimately looking at the talent that was out there for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, a Michael Givens, uh, a Trey Mancini, uh, a Jonathan Villar, nothing quite clicked and we talked about this before of i'm actually surprised still that michael gibbons didn't get moved Mm -hmm. but we talked about trey mancini and jonathan lar of it really has to be the perfect fit for an organization to say i want to bring trey mancini in because where am i playing him i'm not playing in the outfield i'm either going to be having needing a first baseman or dh so if you're saying i need a first baseman or dh you're really looking at american league teams and in reality you're only looking at the yankees the astros the indians and the twins and that's it. So, again, with this era of super teams, um, there isn't generally a huge amount of teams interested from the American League. The National League certainly looks like it's a little bit more wild west and wide open. But I don't see anybody on this team besides Givens that would have really been like, yep, that makes sense why a National League t- team would have picked him up. Maybe a Hanser Alberto for a bag of balls or an international prospect or something like that. But again, this comes back to the prevalent issue at hand, which is there isn't a ton of talent on this team. And uh, if there isn't a need or want for it for the time being, then the Orioles don't have to trade. It's also a situation, like we talked about before, of they don't need to do it right now. 
the club still has club control over Gibbons, still has club control over Jonathan Villar, Trey Mancini, a bunch of players. So it's not like anybody except for Mark Trumbo is leaving at the end of this year. So, you know, based off of that, um, maybe the Orioles make a move at uh, the winter meetings, mm. or maybe they make a move uh, right before spring training with an injury that occurs or someone saying, I was really thinking we were going to resign this guy, but we weren't able to resign him. We need to pick up someone to basically fill this slot now. That's the, that's the other thing about this trade deadline is that there were no major injuries um, in an area where the Orioles had depth. And by that, I mean, you know, we were all, I guess, banking on somebody losing a closer so that we could trade the most valuable asset that we have, which is, of course, Stevie Wilkerson. Yeah, and in general, um, I don't feel like the relief pitcher market really blossomed as much as it had in previous trade deadlines where a bunch of relief pitchers went up. I think people said, I'm, I'm good enough with what I have. I don't think, in essence, going out and getting who is available now is a big enough mover to improve my chances um, in the postseason. I see this person as a third or fourth bullpen arm, and I don't really care about a third or fourth bullpen arm. I care about someone who can be in my top two for bullpen arms to basically make a statistically significant difference when it comes to the postseason. So, Scotty, I'd like to be happy. Okay. And so I'd like to be happy at second base. Yes. Um, I bet you would. There was a brief moment, one moment in time, when the Orioles were playing like a mediocre team, like a 500 team, like a team that wasn't an embarrassment on a daily basis and scotty it was glorious was it glorious it was glorious they went for like for an entire month of july they went 500 yeah so that's that's pretty impressive mm. rebuild worked well that was funny because there was people asking the question to last but like hey uh you know based off of how this team has been doing lately do you think we're ahead of schedule with the rebuild and uh you know lives was just like no like <laughs> stop that stop that he was almost like saying, small, simple size, small, simple, simple size. Which is true. Yeah. All of that is true. Still, a lot more fun to watch. Uh, absolutely a lot more fun to watch. Um, great to see them pull off certain games. They're just like, how the heck did they win that game? Um, you know, even going up into uh, going against the Angels, for example, at the end of July, taking three out of four from them and only losing the fourth one on the walk-off. Um, there's a lot of really good games that were played. Um, and then we kind of played good teams like the Yankees and the Astros. And we looked at it and we're like, oh, that's how far um, we have to go in order to be a good team. But there was fun baseball being had. I mean, Jonathan Villar hit for the cycle. I mean, yeah, that's fun. I mean, yeah. that's great to see. And it was fun to see how he got each time like, he got his double by basically doing a hustle double, which should have been a single. And then when his single, it should have been a double. And he's just like, you know, God, guys, um, I'm going to pull up a little short on this one, if you don't mind. I'm not sure if it's fair. I'm just going to hang yeah. out here at the plate before I run. So uh, it's it's a fun moment. And it kind of – someone like a Felix P.A. who we joke about as well, or Luke Scott. Um, and Jonathan Lawler will kind of fit into that trifecta, as it were, um, and not be mentioned the same breath as – Cal Ripken and Brooks Robinson. <sighs> yeah. But you know, there can be fun baseball and there can be enjoyable things that occur during the season. I mean, I look at Sunday's game, which the Orioles started off kind of in a rough, rough patch and they kind of kept battling through. And I was watching the score and listening to it on the radio. I'm like, you know, 
if something weird were to happen, they could maybe take it back. And then they have the game tied and they go into the ninth inning and Anthony Santander manages to throw the ball into the, uh, the shed as it were. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, so much for that game. It's, that's the bottom of the ninth against the Astros. This game is done. Um, and what's even funnier is Anthony Santana was put in as a defensive replacement there <laughs> and, and still managed to do that. But, you know, it comes to the point like Rio Ruiz comes up in the bottom of the ninth, two strikes, two down, and uh, just absolutely knocks the cover off the ball onto Utah Street. I just have to ask a question. Yeah. What is the cleaning bill for the booth after a moment like that? I mean, I think they just send Rick Dempsey in there and just be like, go look it up. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was super fun. But it was I, super fun. I mean, I have a confession. Yeah. I was driving back from the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to the game. Mm-hmm. I listened to the top of the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm in the car with my family. There's no reason for me to be grumpy right now. I'm going to switch to music. I listened to music on the way back and read about this later. And shame on me. Yeah, I would say this fit into my category of uh, white noise in the background. And um, it was in the background, in the background, in the background. I was just like, all right, my entire family is asleep. It's not a big deal. Um, But yeah, it was a a nice way to... uh, celebrate a sunday afternoon as it were so it's cool though because you know again while they were playing good baseball there were moments like that where you're just like ah baseball can have good things about it it's not all sad all the time not all the time but a lot of times it is um so pulling the third base uh jake uh i may have been wrong i refuse to believe that but go on about anthony santander i do believe that go on uh he may be a decent hitter i don't think he's quite as good as he is playing at right now with a 120 weighted runs created plus after 242 plate appearances um and posting a 344 on base percentage but what i would say is i believe a lot more in anthony santander as my dh going forward in the future rather than my renato nunez Hmm. okay all right um first of all i was Thrilled with what I saw with his defense in the shed. That was just, that was fantastic. That was great. But yeah, I, he he's shown me things this season that I was like, all right, you know what? I I thought they were crazy for keeping him as a Rule 5 pick. Uh, you know, I, I don't really think he's going anywhere. But for somebody that they got for $50,000 and time, you know, he's been all right. He had a pretty fun play today. He was playing right field, and he kind of just jogged over to a ball that was in right field and let the first baseman go to second or for the the person going to first go to second really quickly. And then he basically hustled, got the ball through it and threw him out. So I'm not sure if he was intentionally deking him or not, but it was a pretty funny play to see it because it was, he was out by quite a bit. So it wasn't a close play. Um, But yeah, like I said, I I don't want to see Anthony Santander uh, out on the field. Um, he doesn't strike me as a center fielder. Certainly not in center, right? Uh, he certainly doesn't strike me as a right fielder or a left fielder, but as a DH and as a fourth outfielder, okay, I'm okay with that. Like occasionally getting out there and doing it, but 
Uh, I certainly don't think I would do anything more than that. But for for being 25 years old coming up next year, um, yeah, like I, 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 I'd be willing to see more. Like I said, I still consider him to be like a Nolan Reimold-esque kind of player, but maybe he is a little bit more than that. Maybe he is a 1.0 to 1.5 war player. Maybe. All right. maybe. Maybe he is something positive where when the rebuild is complete, um, you know, maybe he has some goofy personality out there to get it. And, you know, this is all because, you know, also I'm a member of the UK Scouts. Um, so I, I, I'm part of the fan club. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. That whole Anthony Santander fan club thing. It was almost like that's kind of what baseball should be like all the time with chance and engagement with the players and just kind of fun behavior, as it were. Oh, uh, hands down, the Europeans are so much better at this than we are. Yeah. Just so much better. I, I went to a game. Oh, we're, we're talking sports. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I went to a, a game uh, in the Dark Ages, you know, 2007 maybe, and a section was filled with uh, uh, foreign exchange students from uh, the Netherlands or Amsterdam, somewhere. Beg, beg, beg your pardon? I'm sorry. Kingdom of the Netherlands. Thank you. Um, but they were rocking, literally rocking the seats um, and had no idea what was going on. So so good good on you, Europe, and good on you, International uh, Anthony Santander Fan Club. Yeah. All right. Home plate? Let's do it. Uh, so, Jake, uh, the Orioles are bad. Like, Really, really bad. We were just talking about how they Jake, had a whole month where they weren't bad. Jake, they are very bad. Scotty, they have Anthony Santander. Uh, Jake, they broke the AHL record for most home runs. Uh, that sounds in good. A season. That sounds great. Given up by the pitchers. Oh, that does not sound great. Uh, it is August 12th. Uh-huh. Uh, Jake, the Orioles lost 23-2 to on Saturday. Amateurs, that's no 30-3. to uh, the game was called two innings early. No, I'm just joking with you about that. But I mean, look, um, plays such as, um, you know, DJ Sturg being hit in the head by a baseball, Anthony uh, Santander playing pinball, in, yeah, playing right pinball in, in, in right field. Um, you know, individuals coming up and basically being named Breck as opposed to Brock and pitching for the Baltimore Orioles this evening. Uh, Aaron Brooks, whatever the heck that is. Um, the Orioles are a really bad, bad team. I mean, it literally is like home run derby. And, you know, you watch the Orioles play against the Yankees and you watch the Orioles play against the Astros and you're just like, man, we've got such a far way to go. And I mean, especially against the Yankees, it's not even like the Yankees have all their best players in right now. They've got a bunch of individuals from their farm system and they're still taking it to the Orioles. And I think... That, and the Orioles have all their best players right. in. <laughs> I think that's the big point that, you know, we were talking about before at first base with Elias. Um, the Orioles had a long way to go. It's not just about the 25-man roster. We talked about this from 2012 onward. It's about the entire 40-man roster and how you move and push things around in order to get it. Because as we talked about, you don't just need five starting pitchers. You need seven to eight to combine with spot starts or pulling up for a game or anything like that. And the Orioles don't even have three at this point. We need seven starting pitchers to make it through a single game. At That's this true. Point. That's true. So yeah, the Orioles are really, really bad. And I, I guess the question is when you wake up in the morning 
and you see a score that is 23 to two, um, at, at what point do you just say, I'm done? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the question is if you, I think you have to realize that the, the season doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Or there's no way to survive. Mm-hmm. And if you, come to the determination that the the season doesn't matter, that the wins and losses at the major league level don't matter. How do you stay engaged with the baseball team? Sure. Right? Why are we doing this podcast right now? Uh, it's for me, it's the Bud Light Lime. It's gotta be. Yeah, no, but it's, you know, for everybody, it's that question. Why are you doing this? That's tough. That's tough. And you know, the Orioles have got to do something like, wine nights and stuff to try to keep people engaged. Um, Because I I do think that unlike the last dark ages, they at least have a convincing plan in place that makes you believe that at some point they'll be better. But boy, howdy, this is not a thing you can rush. Right. Right. This is not a thing that you, 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 you've got to see it through, but this is a fan base that that's, you know, been sold magic beans before. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you uh, you stay engaged. So we've talked about baseball. We talked about the Orioles. And um, it's a certain aspect of static white noise, as it were, in terms of um, filling our lives, as it were. Um, we were at the beach this past week um, hanging out. And one of the things that I could remember vividly uh, from 2012 onward was if we were out at the beach picking crabs, whatever it may be, there was a radio out there listen to and you would finagle it any way that you could throw aluminum foil onto it just so that you could hear a few things and occasionally the radio would go out for 30 seconds uh and this is before we got smart and said oh we could just use mlb at bat and go from there but you would basically be like all right there's no radio for 30 seconds and then you would be like came back on you would try to decipher as an aspect of what's going what, on what just happened what just happened and, and basically tell the story as it were um and there'd be conversation and then someone would be like hey Orioles just hit a triple, two runs are in, this is a score, and it would go, yeah, that's great. Now, um, the radio doesn't come out. The radio doesn't come on. It's more of a, I'll catch up with it via text message or a notification on my phone of, oh, did you see what happened with the game? It's much more of, um, I wake up the next morning and take a look at the box score in the paper mentality as opposed to actually living and dying with each game. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a story, and I saved this one. I didn't tell this story to you just quite yet. Ooh, no one likes to tease Scott Magnus. Yeah. So uh, Friday evening, uh, your son and my son are uh, deciding to basically um, be, you know, mature uh, boys, as it were, like and, us, and say, "Hey, we're going to stay up um, as late as possible. We're going to sleep in sleeping bags and, and not do this." Uh, and you have the great idea. You're like, "Hey." Why don't I put the baseball game on for you, and you can you can listen to the baseball game, and uh, you can uh, you know fall asleep as it were to it, which we you and I have talked about. Like we used to do that all the time as uh, as uh, as kids, and it was the molecular sounds of uh, uh, John Miller basically serenading us to sleep. So uh, you know, obviously, to say the game is on, uh, and your son uh, is having a very difficult time going to sleep like he's coming up he's checking in on us he's going through and i'm like what is going on like how are you not just in bed and uh not doing it so at one point i'm like hey i'm gonna go check on the boys and i walk in there and your son is sitting on on the chair 
And I'm like, why are you not asleep? And he said, the baseball game is keeping me up. And I said, why is the baseball game keeping you up? And he's like, they're just so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, yes, but... Dad, there's a bad baseball team under my bed. And I was just like, yeah, of course they're bad, Henry. But like, don't you just like listening to the baseball game? And he said, I mean, I guess. (laughs) And I thought to myself, is this where we have got where the white noise is starting to create fear and or nightmares? Now it's a horror film. (laughs) For our children and for us at the same time. What have we done to them? Yeah. So, I don't know. It feels like... When I see scores like 23 to 2, when I see plays like uh, the DJ store getting hit in the head, uh, when I see home run derby at Yankee Stadium uh, on a daily basis, and then when I hear from my own children's mouths of like, uh, I'm not really sure if I want to listen to the game, I feel like the dark ages are upon us. And yes, we need to try to keep our head above water, as it were, and know that eventually we're going to get out of it. But it is really tough. What I'm hearing you say is, the Orioles are really bad right now. The Orioles are really bad right now. And that's not even to discuss the... Uh, the other thing? The other thing. And that was what made it, I would say, uh, not a bad week, but just a uncomfortable week, as it were. So... Uh, let's get uncomfortable. Let's get uncomfortable and um, ask, uh, you said what? So I wanted to do this segment separately because we don't have any information. Like there is no facts here. This is just unbaseless opinion, which again, we are hey. perfect at bird's eye view. I mean, if we told you the team was moving to Norfolk, you shouldn't, or not Norfolk, uh, to Nashville, you shouldn't believe us. Just like you shouldn't believe anyone that doesn't have any sources. But I think most of the players on the team should move to Norfolk, right. just saying. Uh, but obviously we've got to talk about the Chris Davis Brandon Hyde uh, interaction. This is an actual kerfuffle. This is an actual kerfuffle, as it were, where Chris Davis is coming back into the dugout and uh, Brandon Hyde obviously says something to him. uh, And Chris Davis literally has to be held back um, during it. And what I think is interesting is like you can see all the players turning their heads and watching as Brandon Hyde says something. And then Chris Davis basically goes out of him after him and basically holds him back. So one has to think that uh, Chris Davis has heard um, some pretty harsh things in his life. Really? Yeah, imagine that. What would make you think that? Yeah. What about his play over the past several seasons would make you think that he... Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So in order for Chris Davis to get that angry... I feel like something had to be said. Now, Brandon Hyde came out and was just like, no, it was just a disagreement. And then Chris Davis was just like, no, this happens all the time. But I feel like this doesn't just happen all the time. Like, I feel like someone having to be restrained from basically going and getting into a physical altercation with their manager doesn't happen all the time. So I, I, I feel like both parties are at fault here. And I kind of wonder to myself, what did Brandon Hyde really say to elicit uh, that reaction from Chris Davis. So I can't imagine it was just like, it wasn't like, hey, uh, try to give us more effort. Like, it'd be like, okay, it is what it is. Or like, 
you know, try to hustle out there. Like he had to say something um, that was a personal attack is, is my opinion. I think I've put a pin on this. Okay. I, I you know, I've, I've done my research. I've gone back, I've watched the video. I've tried to, to read lips. I've done some uh, historical analysis of both Brandon Hyde and Chris Davis. You know, their, their stress points, um, you know, the way they, they handle people. And I think I've boiled it down to this. Okay. Scotty, if you if you watch it, it appears that Brandon Hyde turns his head and says, I liked you better with a strained oblique. Mm, that's harsh. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, then Chris Davis tried to strain his oblique. You know, you said what? You said what? Uh, and I... I I hear what you're saying. Okay. Uh, I, I do think that there was probably something physical, as it were, that was being uh, attacked on him. Uh, and I think it was probably more along the lines of, hey, I bet your wife really enjoyed that porn stash that you were rocking back in the day. All right. Uh, first of all, it's not just his wife. Yeah. I was, I was all about it, too. But if it wasn't the oblique, um, I think, I think the, the, the way that Brandon Hyde could have crossed the line would be to say, hey, Chris, come on. Focus. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, and one of the recommendations that was made to us this weekend by one of our friends was uh, Brandon Hyde turned to him and said, because there's an indication that a helmet hit Brandon Hyde. And uh, Brandon Hyde said to him, well, at least you hit something, which I think is actually pretty good. I, I think another way to look at it is, is to take a look at, at Chris Davis's struggles offensively. And to have Hyde walk by and say, hey, Chris, you know those baseballs are juiced, right? I don't know. Like, I, it's so odd to me. Um, it, it just... I I take a little bit different tact. Okay. Okay, because it happened, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really embarrassing. Like, the Dark Ages are, are upon us. This is just, like, the worst. But then I, there I was, like, with the popcorn, waiting for the post-game show. Like, usually, the game is over, and I cannot quickly enough turn off the television. Like, there's no way... I want to hear John Mioli ask brilliant questions about this nonsense. Like, forget this. But that I was, I was set. I was ready to go. I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. See it. I'm in for it. Um, Brandon Hike, you know, said, you know, look, it happened. I'm embarrassed that I got caught on the camera. You know, it was a, a private matter. We're going to handle it in house. Um, you know, this happened. Uh, Davis was removed because of that happened. Um, and then that, that's all you're going to get. And, and you know what? He was, as transparent as was appropriate. Yep. And I kind of buy that this kind of thing happens. This is a losing team. Sure. That is awful. Yep. And these are amongst the 750 best people in the world that have this job. They've been winners all their lives, except for the people that have been on this team for more than one year. But the point is, these are, are, high octane athletes that are not used to feeling like this for as long as they've felt like this. And I absolutely believe that in the heat of the moment, somebody can say something Mm -hmm. that makes you feel so, so awful that you lose control and being athletes, Mm -hmm. being in an environment where physical, um, you know, uh, prowess is a, a way of life. I can see how that would manifest itself in a physical response. But we haven't seen this from other, like, Dark Ages players. Like, Brian Roberts never had an interaction like that. Now, of course, he was hitting himself in the head. But, but 
I I do not believe yeah. that even on winning teams, yeah. there are not disagreements down the tunnel, sure, in the clubhouse, yeah, that occasionally get ugly and occasionally get physical. This happened on camera, yeah, and that's what makes it different. But I totally buy that. You know what? And and I even buy that they're probably going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like Brandon Hyde's seen a lot of baseball, and I guarantee that his ego is big enough to say, you know what? That was a crappy thing that happened. That's all right. We're going to be fine. So you would not be one of the people that would be advocating for Chris Davis to be released based off of this recent tirade. No, not for this. Right. There's so many better reasons. So many better reasons. There's so many better reasons. But, uh, you know, and, and again, like, dude, Chris Davis, I, I can't even imagine what it must be like to be Chris Davis. Like, in all seriousness, yeah, this guy, you know, he's worked his entire life, right, to be the best he can at this thing. Yep. He has one amazing immaculate season yep you know this this golden moment in the sun uh i'm not going to reference icarus because i do it too often but and then he's the worst he's the worst baseball player ever for years and i think that's the big thing is this is not just going to be in essence one season he in essence is going to become one of the worst baseball players for a prolonged period of time yeah ever we we won't remember chris davis the uh you know, AL MVP candidate in 2013. We're going to remember Chris Davis as the contract sink. And, and more importantly, people, not just Orioles fans, Orioles fans may remember good times, but people are going to look at Chris Davis and say, oh, uh, that was the guy that was terrible and never had a hit. Like he is going to go down as, again, one of the worst players of all time. He's going to be the poster child for terrible contracts. Right. So, like, again, nothing excuses what he did, but I can understand that. Sure. I can absolutely understand that when you are living that life, even an innocuous comment that isn't isn't meant to drive you over the edge mm-hmm. can drive you over the edge. And I think that Hyde, right or wrong or indifferent, was possible was capable of saying something, you know, to set him over, yeah. off the edge. But I, I do think that it is not likely to fester. I don't think this is going to be a cancerous clubhouse. No, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Um, and I think, like like you said, I think it'll quickly kind of go past this very quickly. And I don't think it's going to be something that uh, A, will come up again, um, and B, won't be harped on. I think it was a an interesting moment uh, in the moment, as it were. Uh, and it was fun to watch the post-game conference, even though it, it absolutely meant nothing, absolutely very, nothing happened yeah. at all. So, you know, I agree with you. Uh, I watched it many times. Um, I looked at it via many different angles. I do know what was said. Okay. Um, I do have a source on this one. Um, it does come from someone at Masson um, that does uh, color commentary. Uh, and it was the person told me that what was in the dugout was Brandon Hyde telling him, hey, Diana Roberts is hotter than Jill Davis. That's not fair because I have a source. Mm-hmm. And this comes directly from someone in the team. All right. Not uniform personnel, but there present who said that he or she, and I, I won't go into details, heard Samson isn't even that cool a dog. Bite your tongue, people. <laughs> Bite your tongue. With that, let's go over to Fantasy Boss and figure out who actually won whatever category we picked these past two weeks. You said what? Oh, baby, you sure do swing. 
All right, Jake, you won these past two weeks, um, taking the score to eight to five to one now. Uh, the category was walks. You really? Picked Ren- I picked Renato Nunez. You picked Jonathan Villar. You had six. I had three. You win. Boy, this was exciting. Yes, absolutely exciting. Uh, so, Jake, uh, I'm going to mix it up this week. Uh, I'm going to go with on base percentage. So kind of doing a spin off your walks. All right. But I'm looking also for walks plus hits. So I should take Chris Davis. You you absolutely can. <laughs> uh, okay. On base percentage for Orioles players. Uh, I'm going to go with the committee. I'm going to take Hanser Alberto. All right. And I am going to go with boom, boom, Trey Mancini. Mm, I like these are these are excellent choices. So we will find out who owned it next week uh, on Fantasy Boss with on-base percentage. And with that, it's time for the good, the bad, and, oh, yes, the very ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, before I give my actual good, hey, a little uh, little honorable mention to Rio Ruiz doing the most with his six plate appearances. You know, when you get called back up from the minors after getting sent to Norfolk, cast off the 2019 Baltimore Orioles. Way to make a statement. No, my good for this week, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, goes to Jace Peterson who had 23 plate appearances, one of the leaders on the team, after, again, being brought up from Norfolk. Uh, he had a 209 weighted runs created plus with a 484 WOBA. Uh, now, of course, his BABIP was sky high at 429, uh, but he, he did exactly what he needed to do. Uh, and for a short period of time, he was a useful player, uh, showing that he can be on a major league club at least for a little while. So for one brief moment, Jace Peterson was good. Uh, my good for the week is going to go to Jonathan Villar. Uh, over the past two weeks, he's been posting some incredible numbers. 159 weighted runs created plus. Hit for the cycle as well. Oh, is that good? That's good. Okay. Um, even though it's just in a one-game sample size. Um, but still, Jonathan gets my my good for the week for kind of being enshrined in Orioles history going forward. Hey, that single could have been a double. He could have been even better. He could have been. All right. My uh, bad. Uh, we're on the bad. My bad is going to go to the ghost of Nolan Reimold. And we talked about this a little bit before. I'm really getting that feeling from DJ Stewart. Yeah. Right? I, I don't think that DJ Stewart's ceiling is quite as high as I thought Nolan Reimold's was when Reimold first came up. Yeah. Uh, but man, like that second time he got hurt, I was just like, come on, not again. Yep. Like, let this guy get some innings. Let's see what we've got. And, you know, we, we talked about it off the top. Like, it's totally inappropriate the way his injury was handled, and I don't want to make light of it. Uh, it's very serious. Um, but aside from that, like, I just want this guy to get healthy because this is a club, the 29, 2019 Baltimore Orioles, that aren't going anywhere, that don't mean anything. This is where you get to look at a player like uh, DJ Stewart and say, is he anything or not? Yep. And we're just not getting that opportunity. I hope that the ghost of Nolan Reimold goes back to wherever it is that he haunts. My bad's going to go to Dylan Tate, and it's really not even on Dylan Tate. My bad actually is going to go into how Dylan Tate was handled. Um, it was an interesting idea for the Orioles to say, for Dylan Tate, we're going to basically promote him from double A 
all the way to majors. This is very reminiscent of the Duquette era. Mm -hmm. And for as much as the Elias regime has said, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to basically push people through the organization and get them, you know, significant innings. To pull up Dylan Tate to get a few innings um, at the major league level was an odd move. And it showed with a 10.5 ERA over the past two weeks. And, you know, I look at Dylan Tate's numbers and it wasn't terrible from a case per nine and a walk per nine, but the home runs at 4.5 per nine really exemplifies why he wasn't ready. Um, but Alton, it, it comes back to the Orioles don't have many other options. They need to pull players up in order to basically have serviceable arms. And Dylan Tate just lined up at the right time for him to come up. I don't think we're going to see Dylan Tate again until September. But um, it was kind of a shame to see Dylan Tate's MLB debut ruined in this fashion. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you can say is that when he's back, he won't be new. Yeah. Right. Fair. Fair. But I, I hear you. All right. My ugly, <clears throat> my ugly is me. I had a very recent realization, Scotty, that led me to believe that I don't know anything. Scott, did you know that Tanner Scott and Taylor Scott are two distinct people? I'm very much aware of that. Tanner Scott. Yes. And Taylor Scott. Yeah. Both pitchers for the Baltimore Orioles. Not the same. Now, I have not seen them in the same place at the same time. But I missed the old, uh, hey, Tanner Scott is no more and Taylor Scott, uh, long live Taylor Scott. That's on me. I'm I'm ugly. That's that's bad. My ugly is going to go to Renato Nunez for over the past two weeks. He's posted a seven weighted runs created plus 185 seven. Woba. Um, yeah, just doing absolutely nothing on there. And the power has completely disappeared. He's got an 023 ISO right now. Um you know, for as much as we were talking about Renato Nunez and the home run power that he was having, Renato Nunez has been absolutely miserable. And of course, I could have picked other uglies. I could have picked David Hess, Aaron Brooks, Asher Wojciechowski. There's a ton, a ton of really bad pitching that has occurred over this time frame. But Renato Nunez has been extremely ugly at the plate. And it's a shame, shame to see. Renato Nunez, you're ugly. Get it, get it back together for all the kids out there that love you. Hey, he doesn't have an international fan club, sir. That's true. He doesn't. All right, Jake, why don't we go ahead and uh, blow the save and uh, close it out this week? Please do. All right, Jake. So uh, I don't think you saw this yet. But maybe you did. Uh, the is, Orioles, this, is this Scott related? Uh, no. Okay. The Orioles posted their 2020 Orioles season schedule. And there's a few interesting highlights in it. Number one, the Orioles started home against the New York Yankees. So tickets for opening day will be easy to sell. Uh, second of all, uh, the Orioles are going to go and visit the Cardinals. Uh, they're going to go visit the Cubs. Uh, they're going to go visit the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, so that could be fun. That's a great. That's a great swing. Yeah. Yeah. So go see the Cubs. That might be a fun kind of trip to do. Um, and then they're going to be playing Williamsport for the little league game. We didn't get to tech talk about this yet, but they got selected to go to Williamsport next year um, and play against the Boston Red Sox. Are they going to play on the little league field? They are going to play on the little league field um, with the pushback fences. <laughs> but 
Will we get the same kind of insight on the players as we do on the Little League players? Because that, I feel, could be great. So I think this is a great, great question. So um, obviously the Little League World Series is is peak uh, kind of baseball. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to listen to Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer call a Little League World Series game and then go and actually see a Little League World Series game with the Orioles and basically enjoy the whole thing. Can you imagine Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer calling a Little League World Series game? Yes, I can. Can you imagine Gary Thorne sitting there and eating ice cream while watching and playing a Little League World Series game? I like this. Yes. I like this a lot. Can, I, 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 the Williamsport thing, is this new? Uh, they did it. They've been doing it for the past two years. Uh, so they've been inviting teams. So the Orioles got selected this year, or this upcoming year. So they're they're playing at Williamsport. Yeah. Next year, are the Yankees playing in Iowa? Next yes, to the for, set of for Field of Dreams. Right. What is baseball doing? So I think it comes to um, how you know they saw good success with like the NHL going out to outdoor stadiums and stuff like that. I think this is just an opportunity to say, hey, we're going to go and host a game in these various areas that basically. Uh, pick up baseball nostalgia, as it were, and draw interest to our game um, for for one night. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, where where else are they going to play? They're going to play a game inside the Grand Canyon. Like, what what else they got? So they obviously played in the UK because uh, they played in Wembley. Yeah, but that's different. Yeah. Like, I I feel like you know they they played in Japan, they played in Australia, they've played in in the UK. I, I feel like. Playing baseball in baseball-starved markets where baseball is just a weird thing that fans uh-huh. will go out and see, that's cool. That's yeah. that's growing the game internationally. Like, this thing, and I don't even mind the Williamsport trip or the Field of Dreams thing. It's just it's just strange to me yeah. in, a, in a way that, I guess, you know, grandstanding throughout the, barnstorming throughout the rest of the world is not. Sure. I mean, I think they also talked about maybe going and uh, having the players wear um, the peaches uniforms with the dresses, uh, just to see how that goes. is kind of an ode to women's baseball. Next, they're going to play on the moon. Like it's going to be great. Yeah, I, I, I don't really mind um, the whole you know playing in remote areas, as it were, to kind of drum up a little bit of nostalgia for baseball. Um, I think it kind of breaks up the monotony of um, constantly seeing on ESPN. Oh, we're at Yankee Stadium tonight. Oh, we're at you know Fenway Park tonight. It's it just kind of is a fun game to turn into just like the all-star game and say, all right, uh, here's a cool area and a cool atmosphere to go and watch a game. Yeah. I will, I will say for the critique that baseball gets that, you know, they don't showcase their game. Well, you know, maybe this is a good, a good right. thing. I mean, it, it, it comes back down to if, you know, when games have been played in like Mexico city, mm-hmm. I think that's a cool game to watch the, the ambiance as it were. And I think, you know, baseball can continue to do that and set up stuff like they did when they did at the army base at Fort Bragg, I believe it was. I think that's a really cool moment where you kind of like, um, you know, what is the stadium in essence going to look like? And Baltimore had had a great conversation about this way back in the day when they were actually still podcasting. And they were talking about how each stadium is crafted in a certain manner where it doesn't have to fit a certain standard set of rules. Like I can make a stadium look however I want to, and I think when you set up these temporary stadiums, you kind of see that um, and you're like, huh, that's interesting to see how the stadium is set up and how close people are to the field and how there's nobody out in the bleacher area and it's completely open here. So 
I think it's interesting. Um, I'm personally would love to go see the Williamsport game. I'd love to go up there. And even if it's a situation where I can't, you know, sit in the stands, but they offer me the ability to go out and sit in the grass, like on the hillside and just watch the game. I think that would be a cool moment to spend uh, with my kid, just laying out a blanket and just watching the game with, you know, 12,000 or 13,000 other folks. So. All right. You win, you win the day, Scotty. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. And please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback. It encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all, all over social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Seriously, be better. Be better, Baltimore. Baltimore Orioles. I don't think they can. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think this is pretty much we're going to do. Two and a half games out of the first draft pick, by the way. I have faith in us. I think we can do it. I think it's going to happen. Looking at the schedule, I think we got this. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.